Next weekend, we have our uh, Saturday night service, and we, we are going to also be doing some healing there, praying for healing. So if you'd like to come, it's at 6. If you know somebody that would benefit from that, we'll be anointing them with oil, James chapter 5, and praying for God to heal. And uh, if you've already been prayed for for that, and um, God still hasn't, for a reason, moved, come, and we'll pray again for you, okay? There are two issues I want to talk about today. And uh, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, I encourage you to sit back and listen. I think you're going to be very interested in this. If you're a follower of Jesus, I want to talk to you about, really about probably one of the biggest sins that we as followers of Jesus struggle with and has to do with our finances. Now, whenever a pastor talks about finances in the church, women grab their purses and men hide their wallets. Relax, okay? Let go of those things, all right? Not here to take it from you. But I do think it's kind of funny how people get weirded out whenever you talk about money in the church. In fact, I've heard people who've actually walked out in a service or, I put pressure in it, or uh, left a service and, and, you know, would under their breath or later on write or make a phone call, nobody ever in this church, and say something to the effect that, See, I was right. All I ever want is your money. I'm not going back. How many of you have ever heard that before? So, yeah. And this, don't answer this one. And how many of you were the one that said it, right? All right? Or at least thought it. Now, I want you to think about how, how ridiculous that is. How many of you have a favorite restaurant? Let me see your hands. <clears throat> okay? And you, so if it's a favorite restaurant, you frequent it to some degree. I bet you don't leave that restaurant with your friends or your spouse or your kids and say, Huh! All this place ever wants is our money. We're not going back there again. How many of you like to uh, play golf? Let me see your hands. All right. So we have golfers in here. I bet you and your friends, after you're done golfing, you go out and have a coffee or a burger or whatever. You don't sit there and go, ah, we're never going to go golfing again. All they want is our money anyway. How many of you like to go to the mall? Let me see your hands. Yes. I bet you don't walk away from the mall thinking to yourself, huh, I'll never go there again. All they want is my money. Unless you're Dutch like me. You get what I'm trying to say? There are a lot of places we go that want our money and we give them our money and we don't walk away saying, oh, that's all they ever want is our money. Why is it when it comes to church, however, we feel like the issue of finances is is like taboo. You can't talk about it. I mean, honestly, you cannot talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and not get into financial terminology. And I want to give you a powerful, beautiful example of it. Turn your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. I'd really like you to see this in your Bibles if you have them. So turn there in the New Testament. And I want you to turn to the very first chapter, Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to look at verse 7. We're going to put it on the screen for you as well. And I would like you to read it aloud with me. Ephesians 1 verse 7. Let's read it aloud together. In him... And I want you to circle the word redemption in your Bible because it's a financial term. It literally means to purchase back or to buy back. And if you're a follower of Jesus, God purchased you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, he still has paid the price for you. You just need to respond. But he has purchased you from sin. He's purchased you from God's judgment. He has purchased you from guilt and shame. And he's done it with the currency of his son's own blood That's how much God loves you. If you come down a little bit further in this passage to verse 13, I want you to listen to what else the Apostle Paul writes. He says, 
And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, circle that word, the promised Holy Spirit, that's the seal, who is a deposit, circle that, guaranteeing, circle that, our inheritance until the redemption, there's that word again, of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. In other words, when I became a follower of Jesus Christ, God gave me his spirit who indwells me as a down payment or a earnest of what I will someday realize when I stand in glory with God. Isn't that wild? And you know, whatever God has given as an earnest, as a down payment, he won't revoke. And so I am forever his. And I'm waiting for that guarantee to become complete someday. Now, is there an amen in the house over that? We live in uncertain times. We live in discouraging times. We live in times when there's fear and there's panic. Aren't you glad if you're a follower of Jesus, you're secure today? You and I know where we're going. We know where we're going to spend eternity. And why on earth has God left us here on this earth? It's to make known his truth and his love through his grace to let the light shine. And I don't know why, it's a weird point to interject this, but this morning in my prayer time, I just felt impressed that there's somebody here today or a group of folks here today that need to hear this. That no matter how many times you have blown it, I want you to hear me, God forgives you. God forgives you and he loves you and he wants you. Whoever needed to hear that, it's said and it's done. But you know, God, you can't talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus without getting into financial terms. In fact, let's dig this thing down deeper. Take your Bibles and lay them open to the book of Genesis, which is the very first book of the Bible, will you? And about chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, and we, we all think we know the story so well, right? God takes some dirt and he forms it and he blows into it and he creates the man, Right? And then he reaches in in a divine surgery. He takes out the rib and he fashions the rib into a what? A woman, right? And he brings the woman to the man. And what was Adam's response? Wow, right? In the Hebrew, it's a whistle. Woo, you know, I mean, wow. And, and the two become one. And God puts them in a, in a garden, which was a paradise. Anybody here ever been to Hawaii or some tropical island? Way beyond anything you could ever imagine. It was the perfect environment. And instead of me, you know, standing up here and just talking about it, we haven't done this for a while. I thought we'd um, bring this to life. And I need nine volunteers. And I know the Bears are playing at noon, but I'll keep going. And we'll lock the door so you can't get out. So I need nine volunteers, no matter who you are. Wow, see now, 9.30 was a lot quicker than this. You guys, ooh, you're supposed to be a contemporary crowd. I'm concerned, all right? So, and, and you know, if you could kind of hurry your steps up here, it'd be great. Go to that side, and there's a melon in the basket underneath the wheelbarrow. Pick it up. If we get more than nine, that's fine with me. So everybody grab a melon. If we run out of melons there, grab one. And make like trees over there. Don't be a line. Make like a grove of trees, all right? Your cantaloupe trees, and please don't email me. I know cantaloupes don't grow on trees. All right? But for our, for our purposes, they do, okay? Now, guys, get in a bunch. Get in a bunch. All right? Okay? Now, I need one, I need one more person over here. There's no speaking parts. All right. Thank you very much. All right? And hurried, too. I love that. Okay? 
right? You keep that there. Now, I need, and can I get you guys, like, I need you guys in a grove. Like, like together, bunched together, okay? And I need you to hold your cantaloupes up like a tree. Excellent. Okay, now I need a husband and wife. Married couple. Uh, whoever gets up here first. All right, good. All right, thanks for being willing to volunteer. Come on up, all right? I need you to stand here. Your name is? Tim. Tim? All right, you are Adam and Eve. Okay, all right, you're Adam and Eve, all right? In the garden. All right, now we got our actress in place. Fruit, fruit. Okay, God creates Adam and Eve and he puts them in the garden. And God says to Adam and to Eve, you have these trees. They are your trees. And all that fruit is your fruit. And I want you to absolutely enjoy it. You can climb up those trees you can build a treehouse there if you want. You can etch your initials, A, you know, A and E in there if you want. You can sit under the shade, but those are your trees. Go ahead, right there. Stand right there, okay? They belong to you. But, Adam and Eve, watch this. This tree over here, my tree, my fruit. Don't mess with it. Enjoy your trees. Enjoy your fruit. They belong to you. Now, why did God do that? God was introducing a principle that carries through to this very day. If those melons are too heavy, you can kind of let them down. <laughs> All right. But uh, seriously, God was introducing a principle that still holds true today. And that is God always reserves for himself a divine portion. And that tree and that fruit, there was nothing mystical or magical about it. But God was teaching Adam and Eve a principle. I give you everything, but Adam and Eve, remember that one part is always mine. I reserve a divine portion, leave it alone, and enjoy what I have given to you. Now, we all know what happened in the garden, don't we? Remember the snake slithered up to Eve? And by the way, in the Hebrew, Adam was standing there. He wasn't out hunting, all right? But he just didn't say anything. Hmm, typical man, right? And, and the serpent said, and the serpent said, you know what? Look at that. Got her eyes away, away from what she had and said, God's keeping something from you and you deserve that. In fact, if you go and take that, you'll own everything and you won't need God. And unfortunately, Eve, listen, she took her husband over there. Go ahead. All right. And... Let's read Genesis 3, 6 while they stand there for a moment. Read it aloud with me together. Here we go. When the, there we go. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye. So Eve, take your fruit. And then all of a sudden, man, everything went, went haywire. And everything was broken. And as a result of that, if you read on in the book of Genesis, what did God do to Adam and Eve? And then what did he do to the environment? He had to what? Curse it, right? Because they rejected him. Now, you all keep your melons, okay, and take them back. They're a gift to you guys. Let's give them a hand, all right? <laughs> keep your melons. Now, keep them. They're yours. Go ahead. In fact, when the service is over, you guys can come up and grab uh, these melons because they'll rot by next weekend. We have to bring a fresh batch each time. All right, here we go. 
What was that all about? Why? I mean, God owns everything, right? <laughs> Some of you are not sure. You're like grabbing your wallet. Ah, I don't own that. Okay. God owns everything, doesn't he? Right? So why is it that God would say, you can have all that, but this one's mine, when all of it is his in the first place? Because God was trying to teach us, teach them and teach us a principle that he wants us to depend on him. He doesn't want us to depend on what he gives us. And so if we have to leave a divine portion alone or give him a portion that is his, it reminds us that he's the one that we're supposed to depend upon. Because our tendency is to not want to depend on God, but depend on ourselves. And I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 3 for a minute to a very important passage of Scripture that's foundational in terms of our relationship with God. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, and here's what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Like I'm leaning on this table. This, is, this would be my understanding. This is like Wall Street. This is like uh, a political party. This is like government. This is like my material wealth. It's like my skills and abilities. God says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Then he goes on and he says, in all your ways, what? Acknowledge him and what? And he will make your path straight. And he will make your path straight. So God was teaching Adam and Eve and teaching us that we are to depend on him by trusting in him. And the way God wants us to trust in him is to honor his divine portion. So throughout the Old Testament, God called the people to give him a tenth of everything that they had. And it was called a tithe. And that principle hasn't stopped in the New Testament like some people would like to think it has. It's actually been expanded in the New Testament. It goes beyond a tenth. It goes into sacrificial giving because you can give a tenth and not be sacrificing anything. The principle is God wants to teach us to depend on him and not ourselves. Now, isn't it interesting on our dollar, we say in God we what? Trust. But the reality in America is that's not true. It may say it on the paper, but it's not our reality, and we see the consequences on that. Folks have been leaning on Wall Street. They've been leaning on the government. They've been leaning on themselves, and it's all gotten kicked out from underneath of us, hasn't it? And I wonder if any of us have figured it out. I wonder if any of us have figured out what God is saying. Don't lean on that. Why do people panic? Why do people get nervous and upset when their finances go out from underneath them? Tell me why. Because they've been trusting in that instead of God. And when you're not trusting in God, you panic. That's why Jesus spoke the words that he did over in Matthew chapter 6. And we're all familiar with these words as well. But maybe they'll take on new meaning this morning. Matthew chapter 6 and um, verse 19. Let me read it to you. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Finish verse 21 for me. For where? There's another way to read that verse and it goes like this. For where your treasure is, there your trust will be also. For where your treasure is, there your trust will be also. If your treasure's in Wall Street, that's your trust. 
If your treasure's in your retirement, there's your trust. If your treasure's in your talent, your boat, your house, your cars, that's where your trust is going to be. But what happens when all that stuff's kicked out from underneath of us? God says, I want you to trust and depend on me. That's why God says, I want you to honor the divine portion. Now, why does God want us to do that? There's another important passage of Scripture found in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 20. Again, another principle in Scripture. And let's look at that for just a minute. Your Bibles, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 20. And we'll read it aloud from the screen. Let's read it aloud. Whoever gives heed to instruction prospers, and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. One of the reasons God wants us to trust in him is so he can bless us. And God wants to bless us in two ways. He wants to bless us in intangible ways. That is, intangible things are things I can't put in a jar or or hold in my hand. Like happiness or joy or peace or goodness or my salvation. Any number of things that are a benefit in our relationship to God, our forgiveness. But he also wants to bless us in intangible ways in terms of cantaloupes. He wants to bless us in terms of things that he wants to give to us. The problem is God can't bless me and God can't bless you with intangibles, let alone tangibles, if we're not honoring the divine portion. And there are a lot of us today, a lot of us right now, who aren't living in the blessings of God. Both in intangible and tangible ways because God, we are, you know, God's blocked from blessing us because we're stealing from him. We're not honoring him. We're not seeing him as as the true provider. We see it coming from ourselves. And so God withholds. And folks, I'm telling you, it's a serious principle throughout the Bible. See, there's the world's economic system and there's God's economic system. And I'm not seeing the world's economic system doing a whole lot of good right now. And God says you need to step out of that and do it the way I prescribed in the first place. And God is serious about it. In fact, there's a story in the Old Testament that's very profound regarding how serious this issue is with God. Turn over to the book of Joshua. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, then the book of Joshua. And I want you to come over to Joshua chapter 6. And Joshua is about to lead the Israelites into the promised land, right? <clears throat> Moses is dead and gone. And as he goes in, he's going to conquer these various cities. And God tells Joshua, he says, when you go in to conquer Jericho, remember the walls came tumbling down, remember that? When you go in to conquer Jericho, understand this, that that city belongs to me. It is my divine portion, and all all the stuff you get, all right, the gold, the silver, the bronze, the iron, put it in my treasury. It belongs to me, and don't touch it. In fact, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 18, here's what it says. Maybe. It says, but keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you'll make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. Now listen carefully. Here's what he says. All the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. Did you hear that? They're sacred. They're the first part that belong to me. Put them in my treasury. So Joshua tells everybody, and they go in, and the odds are against them, and they conquer. 
they conquered Jericho. And, and it's a, you know, a high five, you know, celebration. Kind of like when the Bears finally won last weekend, you know. It was a miracle. Everybody's excited and happy and glad. So I'll make sure you're awake. All right? And, and high-fiving and, oh, man, yes, look what we did. We are invincible. But there was a guy in the group by the name of Achan who figured that God was not in the details. And he happened to pocket a little bit of the change that he came across in Jericho and went home and buried it under his tent. And when Joshua led the people out against the next city, the city of Ai, Ai is how it's spelled, he didn't even take all the troops with him. He thought it was going to be an easy go of it. And instead, he's absolutely humiliated and they're defeated. He comes back before God and he falls on the ground. He's crying he's like, God, you know, how could you let us down? It would have been better if we never crossed the Jordan River and stayed over in the, in the desert and the wilderness than to come out here and be absolutely defeated and humiliated and have you not with us. And I love God's response over in chapter 7. It's like God looks at him and God says, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. Do you see that? And God says, if you want me to bless you and give you victory over these other cities and give you the land, then you need to honor me with my portion and don't mess around with it. Otherwise, I'm not with you and you're going to get your tails kicked. I'm paraphrasing. And I'm here to tell you, God has not changed that principle, folks. God has not, in anywhere I've read, has God ever revoked wanting his first portion, his first fruit, the firstborn. God wants us to honor him that way so that God can bless us. Let me show you what I mean. Let's imagine for just a minute that I'm a, uh, that I'm a cantaloupe farmer kind of person, okay? And I, I've got my crop here, and I know, I know that God wants me to honor him with the best. So let's say my crop is right here. Count these out. Ready? All right, that's my crop, all right? And I know I'm supposed to give my best, all right? So I come out here and I look at my crop and I'm checking it out and I notice that, that one of them is, is kind of small compared to the others and it kind of smells and, wow, I can actually hear it sloshing around in there and I, and I think to myself, you know, I'm not going to get much money for this in the market. I think I'll give this to God. And I, and I bring this and go, God, I, I want to give you my first portion and it's, and it's for you. And, and, and here you go. I mean, you know, God's like amazed, isn't he? He's like, wow, Dale, thank you. Thanks for giving me the smallest. Thanks for giving me the one that you're sure is rotten and you're not going to get any money for. That was a real sacrifice, right? And that's how some of us are with God. He gets the least and he gets the worst, right? He gets kind of the leftover. What a different attitude it is, though, when I look at my crop and I go, now, which one's the biggest? Ah, this one is. And then I thump it. Yeah, I, you ever see people do that? I, I don't really know why. Because I've done it and it doesn't matter. 
You know, I don't care what it sounds like, they still sometimes don't taste right, okay? But anyway, you thump it, and you shake it, and it sounds really good. And you take that, and you go, God, you know, I've got this, I've got this gift for you. And, and you present it to him, and it's the biggest, and it's the best. You know you could have gotten a lot of money for that in the market. Now, how does God feel about that? Huh? Yeah, because you really honor him. I felt sorry for you guys, so here. Right. Oh, you already have one? Okay, well, you can't have this one then, all right? Because one's enough. God would never give you more than one blessing, would he? Here, catch. All right? So God does bless, doesn't he? Right? So I give him the best. Now, here's what's so cool about this, right? When you and I give God our best, and we honor him with it, God does something pretty amazing. I'll try to do this without cutting my hands, all right? What's inside a cantaloupe? Seeds. Now, if I take these seeds out and plant them, and please no emails, because I know something has to be done with these seeds before I plant them, but let's say I take these seeds out and I plant them. How many cantaloupe will I get back? I will get a bunch of cantaloupe back, won't I? Because look at all those seeds. So here's the principle. When I give my best to God, God is so pleased by that, you know what he does? He takes that and he multiplies it back to me in tangible and intangible blessings. That is God's economy. And there are a whole bunch of us that are not living in God's economy. And we're not being blessed as a result of it. And we're going to go into heaven as misers. As misers. Because we have not honored the divine portion. Now, I want to read to you the rest of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, because it's very cool. Listen to what it says here. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Now, if you come down to verse 9, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, or with your cantaloupes, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns. Notice it says, then your barns will be what? Will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. And I honestly believe that that principle holds true today. God wants to fill your life to overflowing with intangible and tangible blessings. But I can't live in the way of receiving those blessings if I don't live in God's economy. If I'm robbing God, God can't bless. How about you this morning? Are you living in a way where God can truly bless you? I want to give you an opportunity this morning to be able to do that. It's really a step of obedience. We do this every year. And we do this because this area of stewardship is a struggle for so many of us. In fact, next weekend, I want to tell you a story. Marsh and I have tithed. We, we, all, our, our married, all our married lives, our ministry lives, and have, have given beyond tithing to different ministries and groups who always tithe to our church first. But just recently, God really met me on a run I was on and showed me an area of greed in my life. And I'm going to share that story with you. It's my dirty socks story. And you don't want to miss it next weekend. It's a vulnerable moment for me to be honest with you about how God has just been working in my heart in a really neat way. But, you know, this morning... I want to challenge you to become obedient to the Lord by giving Him your best. 
And it's really about you and God. It's about, it's about you personally. It's not about our budget. Certainly it helps with that. But it's just about you getting obedient and experiencing God's blessings. And on here you see some stair steps. And what we've chartered for you is how many people give at certain, in certain uh, quantities every week at, uh, in terms of, of their first portion to the church. There are over 1,200 people who give less than $25 a week. You do the math. And if I take that number and run it out, I'm like, wow, we got a lot of folks who are in a lot of need, right, based on that. And I know that's not true. And my challenge to you this morning is, would you be willing to take a step up and begin to become obedient to God? Some of you right now are already tithing, giving a tenth. I want to ask you, would you take a step and be sacrificial and let God multiply even more back to you? Some of you aren't tithing and God's speaking to you today and you could take six or seven steps and practice obedience. Some of you right now financially are not in a place where you can. Too much debt and other issues going on in your life. You know, we have a ministry we, in our church to help people who are struggling financially. Not all of us are great at budgeting. I thank God for my wife or I'd be in big trouble. She's great at it. And all you have to do on this card is write, I need help. And somebody will contact you and put you out together with a financial counselor. But for some of you, you can only take a step or two. My question is, will you just take whatever step God's leading to you right now. Eyeball where you are and eyeball where you want to be. And then turn it around and fill this card up. Give me your name right now. Your address, city, state, zip, email. Say, why do you want that? Because I'm going to be praying for you on a regular basis. It only goes to me. And about three or four times a year, I want to write you and encourage you. I also want to get from you emails, letters of how God's blessing you as you step up to obedience. I want to hear that. That so encourages me. You'll never know how that blesses me. And I want to hear that from you. I had a very precious woman walk up to me this last service. And she said, Pastor, she goes, you don't know how God spoke to me today. And here's what she told me. She said, I have no problem writing a check. I have no problem giving God my finances. But she said, her name was Margie. She said to me, you know what? She said, I have a son who's going to go in the mission field. And I'm having a hard time giving up because he's my firstborn. And she said, God spoke to my heart today, and I'm releasing him, letting him go. See what I'm saying? We all have that first fruit that God says, give to me. And I'm wondering what yours would be. So just fill this out, name, address, city, state, and email. And then in a moment, we're going to do a holy tear. You keep the little section for yourself, and we'll pass the rest in. Listen, if you don't want to fill it out, pass it in anyway, and we'll recycle it so nobody feels kind of odd, all right? I'm not here to make you feel strange or and you shouldn't feel guilty for me to do this the spirit of god needs to be compelling you because he wants you to give out a gracious spirit okay so name simple address city state before we have our holy terror let me pray father this morning i just ask that we would become uh, partners with you in honoring in honoring you by giving you god your divine portion to teach us, God, to be dependent on you, not because you need it, but because you want us to depend on you. Father, we see what's happened in our our own nation when we don't depend on you. What a tragedy it is. What what an amazing thing that our dollar bill saying, God, we trust and we don't. We want to be different. We want to move into your economy. So bless each person as they take that step forward in Christ's name. Amen. All right, count three. Ready? One, two, three, tear. Hand them in. Our ushers will come down and pick them up. Go ahead, hand those in right now. And while we're finishing up this morning, if you are willing to host a small group, 
this upcoming session, which I think is just going to be very radical, very revolutionary for us, then when I dismiss this in a minute, please come up to this table. Pastor Rick will be here. And um, he'll give you your materials and sign you up for a training session. I, I beg you to do that. Get, sign up for that purity seminar. Folks, we're trying to build you up. We're trying to make you strong in the days that we're living in. Because I believe we are truly living in the last days, if not the, not the beginning steps that will end this world as we know it. Christ will return. All right? So thanks for your obedience to God. In a moment, I want to pray His blessing on your life. You're a guest here. We don't talk about finances every weekend, so don't panic. Probably, what, every other weekend? Just kidding, all right? Just kidding. Every once in a while, we hold the mirror up. Don't look at ourselves. We want to be obedient to God. And I can't wait to get your stories. Let's all stand. Hand those cards in. If you'd like to receive a blessing from God this morning, would you raise your hands toward heaven with me, Lord? Our hands are outstretched. We are people of faith. We don't believe that you're a psychological crutch. We believe you're real. And we ask, I ask now on behalf of your people and myself, Lord, that you would bless us in obedience. That as we honor you and give the first portion, God, may we be able to actually count the blessings. And may our cups be overflowing. And may we in faith return to you that which you've given to us. All for your glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Bring somebody with you next weekend. God bless you guys.